Hello, everyone, and welcome to Talking Tolkien. This is our 13th Fellowship of the Ring episode. Today, we're talking about Chapter 4 of Book 2 of Fellowship of the Ring, A Journey in the Dark. I'm John. I'm Katie. And I'm Chase. <laughs> I don't know why I felt like doing it like that, but I did. <laughs> I don't know why and, we had that now, awkward pause. Yeah, we we yeah, you're you're calling to making me feel weird about my way of saying my name. Let's just keep going. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna we're gonna keep going. <laughs> last week, mountains. That's what happened <laughs> last week. <laughs> uh, yeah, a, a particularly cruel mountain. Oh which... wait, I'm sorry. We're just gonna. I'm skipping all over the place for us today in Middle Earth. <laughs> Oh, that's right. This is why you shouldn't drive the bus. See? Oh, man. Okay. And I didn't even catch it that time. But anyway, today in Middle-earth is November 26th. And, um, again, not a whole lot to talk about in our current happenings. But back during the happenings of The Hobbit, this is the day when they were kind of all dividing all of the treasure um, after the Battle of the Five Armies and after all is said and done. That's appropriate, because it's, it's Thanksgiving. There you go. So, happy Thanksgiving. Because that's what we do on Thanksgiving. We do oh, yeah. Treasure. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. What are What are you thankful for? What am I thankful for? Um, this is a thing that you have to do. You have to go around and say what you're thankful for. Yeah, I didn't realize we were doing it today. We're recording, <laughs> we're recording a week before Thanksgiving. You can't put me on the spot like that. <laughs> you can still be thankful for something. I'm thankful for the pizzeria down the block from my apartment. <laughs> valid, valid. Chase, what are you thankful I'm, for? I'm thankful that our podcast never, like, podcast feed never, like, caught fire and died on me. That's that's incredibly valid. Because I've been, like, I feel like for a while there I was keeping it together with, like, string and bits of chewing gum. <laughs> I am thankful for the fact that ponies exist. Ponies do exist. They do. Huh. Isn't that awesome? That's awesome. Oh, I know. I'm thankful for you, our listener. Ah. Uh, and most thankful. Someone of... is sucking up. <laughs> and most thankful of all, all of us are super thankful for our patrons on Patreon. That we are. We cannot thank you enough for throwing a dollar our way to help us support our website and our podcast. Actually, we did just buy a brand new microphone. It's not on the way yet, but the next. Uh, the next recording will have improved audio fidelity. Woo! Yay! It means everybody will have a microphone. Yep. Which is a first. Hopefully it will sound prettier. Yeah, that way when Katie's breathing gets particularly heavy and weird into the mic, we can just mute her. Hey everybody, this is Chase to interrupt this episode of Talking Tolkien to talk about my other podcast that I do for the extracurricular. It's called The Crimson King Cast. We're going through the entire eight-book series of The Dark Tower by Stephen King. And currently we're in the drawing of The Three, which is the second book of the series. It's me and my friends Mackenzie and Ashley, and it's a little different than Talking Tolkien because I get to be the expert for once. It's also a little darker. So if you're interested in that, check out thecrimsonkingcast.com, and we post every Monday at 6 a.m., so check it out. Thanks. Now back to that episode of Talking Tolkien. So previously here on Talking Tolkien, uh, what did we talk about last week? Mountains. Tolkien. That too. 
Um, but yeah, in, in particular, there was one certain pass uh, called the Redgate uh, Pass on the Caradhras mountain. Aragorn, it was the best way that they could make it, it was through the mountains. better than the alternatives. It was better than the alternatives, yep. which we find out more about the alternatives coming up. Yep. But it was considered to be the best, quickest path. Right. And basically, unfortunately, our fellowship was defeated by Snow. the mountain. And a very strange snowstorm, yeah, that didn't seem to be entirely natural. There was a lot of, like... Nothing about this seems right, so maybe we shouldn't go pushing our luck too far. <laughs> right. Um, so anyway, now here we are. Chapter 4 of Book 2, A Journey in the Dark. It's an ominous title. Yeah, very ominous. I mean, I feel like I've heard this title before. Like, I feel like you've all, like, Council, Council of Elrond and this have been, like, referenced before in previous episodes. Yeah, yeah, perhaps. Um, yeah, we're, we're getting into... Uh, I mean, we, we, we have been since, you know, since we've been on the way to Ravenclaw. Were you really about... Were you about to say something like, now we're getting into the book? Well, I mean, we're getting... Yeah, I was going to say, like, we're really getting into... <laughs> 12 the, episodes in. ...the meat yeah. of the book, right? Well, uh, well, by this point, we're basically at the page length of The Hobbit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there were 14 episodes of The Hobbit, and we're at 12 of Fellowship, so... <laughs> Yep, it's to be expected. We're not nearly done yet. So now, after having failed to go over the mountain, because it was just entirely impossible, uh, we're left with two choices. And those choices are either to go back to Rivendell, which would really only delay the inevitable, and, you know, eventually Rivendell would then fall. Which was depressing and super ominous. Ter- yeah, a terrible thing to think about, right? Um or our like second option. Mary. Mary was really excited about the well, prospect. <laughs> about, about going about going back to Rivendell. Yes. Yeah. But n- not about the possibility of the Dark Lord okay, infiltrating yeah, yeah. it. <laughs> um, but so then in our second choice, and the one that is probably what we should do, is to continue on our path and find another way. Um, and not, not return in shame. Yeah. <laughs> having... And- failed to complete our quest and and boromir actually does throw out a slightly seemingly at first reasonable idea which is we could just go south we could just go around the mountains through Mm -hmm. rohan and Mm -hmm. they're like no 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 did you not listen dude (laughs) didn't we talk about this previously rohan and isengard no we can't go near isengard at well because this is how i learned that isengard is south i i i I failed to have put that one together but that would take them close to Isengard, so no, not that, the only choice, and Gandalf says it was my idea originally, but Aragorn didn't like it, but now he agrees it's only a good way of going is going through the mines of Moria. Right. Well, and then he says, you know, we don't really know anything about the condition that Moria is currently in, other than that, it things got really bad there. But we do know that most of the orcs in this part of the world were killed in the Battle of the Five Armies. Right. So there may or may not be orcs there. So that's going to have to be a gamble. We we hope that there aren't because, again, most of them were killed. Or, you know, it's also un- it's in a dark, deep, dank thing uh-huh. in the middle of a Tolkien work. So there's probably <laughs> something even worse than orcs in there. So right. Chase... 
Chase, since I'd like to periodically quiz you about past oh, no. readings. <laughs> oh, no. What is the Battle of the Five Armies? Oh. oh <laughs> this is an easy question. It's the, the battle at the foot of the Lonely Mountain between... We had one army where the dwarves, the other army, the elves, uh, p- humans. Mm-hmm. Or do we consider them another army? And then the orcs and then the eagles. Right. And then Bayorn being his own army. So it's technically the battle of the six armies. <laughs> Bayorn, I tend to link with the eagles because. I know. Yeah. Just, I don't know. Just the Animalia. Right. <laughs> He's the 101st airborne of the whole situation. Right. So wait, is it going to be? Wait, hold on. Is, that in the is book it going to be in the movie? I think it was just in the movie. It's, it's just, it's just he in the movie. Up. He, it, but if he, he in the book he shows up, but he's not really counted among yes any armies. But since Bayorn is friend to animals, that's why I tend to want to link him with the eagles. So Chase, if he's the hundred and first airborne, does that mean there's going to be an HBO miniseries called Band of Bayorn? Oh, that's a great pun. Yeah, I'd watch that. And we know his his people. You know stretched out and became you know multiplied and stuff so (laughs) there we go um but so yeah after that there may or may not be orcs in the area additionally we may or may not be able to actually get through the mountain because who knows if the pathway has been destroyed or not it was almost to the point where it's like i expected i almost expected someone to say it's like did the dwarves even build an exit you know (laughs) They had to, but Gandalf does uh, brag a little bit. Maybe not yeah. brag, but he he touts his experience in saying that while it's going to be bad, it will be nothing near the dungeons of Sauron, of which only I have been, and only to you know the minor, uh, sorry, the lesser dwelling in Dol Guldur. Right, and he actually so you know Boromir actually kind of compares the Mines of Moria to the Dark Lords camp basically and Gandalf's like no 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 you don't get it dude <laughs> I've been there you say evil you don't get evil you know yeah um so yeah Gandalf has previously gone through the mines of Moria Aragorn has as well and he basically Aragorn is very quiet about all of this but what he says it seems like it you know what he has to say is very important but he's he's very quiet and he 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 says you know i've been there i've been through too and i never want to go back again (laughs) you know this is like the last thing that aragorn wants to do and then he also says specifically that he fears for gandalf um if they were to pass through the mines also, I, I was just realized that Aragorn doesn't do a, whole, do a whole lot of speaking in this chapter. Yep, Aragorn's pretty quiet in this chapter. That's true. Um, also, so, Gimli's happy to go. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they say that there may be dwarves there, but they don't really think there are. Um, so nobody can really come to a firm consensus. And it's Boromir who's really the one saying, we're not going to do this unless all of you vote against me. Yeah. And Le- Legolas says, you know, I don't really like the idea either. And then Vormir says, well, shouldn't we ask the ring bearer? And Frodo is like, well, I don't think we should vote tonight because people are gr- grumpy. So we're going to sleep on it. And it's dark and scary right now. And it's just not good voting conditions. <laughs> so there's Frodo showing his good uh, usage of parliamentary tricks. Exactly. That was a good, a good move by Frodo. <laughs> They're also cold and tired and... Well, a good move, maybe a good move. They're they're hearing wolves and stuff, which right. So you know they they decide to wait for the night and take, you know, 
watch shifts as they normally do, and Aragorn hears wolves. Um, and then there's this, I really liked this kind of exchange. So Boromir and Aragorn both kind of have these little, uh, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Trest. No. Shields. No. Horns. They, uh, it's, um, like a. Spat. Cornelius. No. Antediluvian. What is the word? Katie has no words today. What's it like? Snapchat. What is it? What, how many syllables does it have? I don't. I don't know. Okay. Well. Anyway, <laughs> Boromir Palavar? says no. So they're talking about wolves and how basically. Okay. Now we really don't have time to wait. We're gonna have to move. Um, and Boromir says the wolf that one hears is worse than the orc that one fears because you know it, it's certain that we hear wolves. It's not certain that there are orcs. And Aragorn responds to that true. But where the warg howls, there also the orc prowls. These are two bunch of it's weirdos. Just, no, they're I great, don't. but they're weirdos. They've been I, out in the wilderness too long. I like that inter- interaction, though. Uh, um, and so basically, now you know there's there's clear danger at hand, um, and we're we're not going to be able to stand here for very long. So. Uh, the, oh, oh, and then there's this other great exchange between Pippin and Sam because Pippin is scared of the sounds that he's hearing, and then Sam kind of reassures him and tells him that uh, he he has no doubt in Gandalf versus wolves. He's like he says something like Gandalf will not end up in the belly of a wolf or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, it's good to be around Gandalf, which true, right, which I re- pays I, off. I, yeah. I really like that. So now, in the middle of the night, um, the the wolves are kind of approaching them, and Gandalf goes and threatens threatens it, and uh, like says he'll burn it to a crisp or something like that. And Legolas just like already straight just, up boom. shoots it, and then they're just like we're going, and they just start hacking and slashing. You get a real sense of like everybody's fighting styles yeah. and what they're fighting with Gimli with an axe, the humans with the swords. This whole passage is really great because we have, so they're all kind of line lined up like backs to each other and they're all fighting against these wargs. And yeah, you get, you totally get everyone's fighting styles. And I just really like the way that this little passage is written. Um, there's a line in it. It's, you know, talking about all, all of them are fighting. And then it's, it says, the bow of Legolas was singing, which I was really, singing. I really was... like that. Oh, yeah. I really like I, that. I, I, I get the, the like, like, creak, swish. Like the, right. Like the, yeah, I, I totally get it. And yeah. you can just picture in your head, too, like, how many arrows he's letting fly, too. If, if a bow is singing, then it's Like a it's, Gatling it's gun. Pretty, yeah. Right? Yeah. Exactly. So what I thought of, and maybe I'm... I, it's a little shameful that I thought of this immediately, but I thought of this in terms of the Peter Jackson movies because my immediate reaction was after having seen the Hobbit movies, like this shows you how much he changed as a filmmaker because this was not included in the Fellowship of the Ring movie, but mm-hmm. the Peter Jackson that made the Hobbit movies would have turned this into like a 30 minute long, action, <laughs> you know, like battle sequence. Mm-hmm. Well, and- also there'd be nine Lord of the Rings movies then under that logic too because <laughs> each one would have been a trilogy. And... Oh, 
we would still be releasing them now. Um, the Fellowship of the Ring Part 2, The Council of Elrond. <laughs> oh. And it's just like 12 angry men. <laughs> uh, but anyway, also at this time, Gandalf pretty much just sets everything on fire. He does the thing he threatened to do. Yeah, so. exactly. He, it's not like he didn't warn them. Uh, well, you know. basically, Gandalf does the same thing he did in the same situation in The Hobbit. Mm-hmm. But he he uh, conjures this fire, and I really like the translation of it. Um, dare I try to read it? No. But anyway, Gandalf uh, uses this kind of incantation to create this fire, and I... Uh, I, I really like it. It was, um, where is it? Blah, blah, blah. Uh, it literally translates to something like fire be for saving us fire against the werewolf host. So he uses this and then immediately after it's clear that these were no, you know, regular plain old wolves. Oh my God. Okay. I just, <laughs> I'm going to have another giddy moment. Okay. Werewolf host. Yeah. So Sauron. Is it just like a reference back? Is this like some spell that dates back? God, uh, uh. <laughs> well, I mean, I was just going to ask you, so who do we know who likes, hangs out with werewolves? Stuff's so cool. Right? I, okay, I get it. Like, uh. <laughs> May or may not be lord of said werewolves. Right? So, I don't yeah. even have anything to add to that. I'm just like, that's cool. That's it, just cool. Isn't that great? That's uh, so great. Um... So now, yeah, we've 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 effectively fought off and battled the wargs, or uh, the the werewolves, and now we continue on travel to the gates of Moria. At first, I have a real hard time trying to find the path to get to it. Yeah, in a way because you know we have learned throughout reading The Hobbit that dwarves are really good at hiding things. Yep, like almost too good because they can't find it sometimes. <laughs> Which creates all sorts of dumb problems, but um, but that's what's happening. They're specifically looking for what is a it's like river. It's like it's it's like a I wouldn't say a river, but like a creek or something of that sort, like a, some sort of body of water. Yeah, it's coming off of like. So there used to be a a, a creek that ran, and it was um, the Siranen. Yeah, the Siranen, and. It has since, like, they, they notice going on, you know, Gandalf says there should be a creek here, but there isn't. Um, and finally, when they do manage to find the area where Gandalf knows, okay, this is where the gate is, this is where the door is, um, they see the reason why there was no creek, and it's that it had been dammed, and oh. now it's dammed as in, like, stopped up. And now there's a, a huge lake in front of the gates of Moria. Well, you're you just kind of like elated over this huge bit about. So when they find it, they have to follow it for several miles first. Mm-hmm. And the path is like kind of broken and, you know, old and stuff. And then I just really like this bit because he says that um, there used to be like these great falls and like the path itself goes off to one side and kind of mm-hmm. slowly winds up. But there are stairs on the other side for a quicker path. So they climb up the stairs and that's where they see the lake. And that's like, oh, that's why the creek isn't flowing. It's been dammed up. And then they're like, well, we can't do anything from here because we'd have to swim through this lake. So they go back down the stairs. And then we have to find a way around it. Yeah. So we're going to have to take the the long path. And then said, oh, well, Bill the Pony couldn't take the stairs anyway. Sad moment. Such a sad moment. No, no, no. You know, (laughs) he could get like Sam's like he can get through. I could just push him. I could like get him. Like I, I could do it. 
He's like, you know, hey, Sam, or Sam, Bill the Pony has a very stout heart. He will follow me. Um, He'll be fine. If he's out there, he'll get eaten by wolves and snakes and all sorts of other horrible things. Yeah. Um, So poor, poor Bill is not going to be able to join them. And also, one of those moments of Gandalf using very subtle magic, I would almost say it borders on not being magic Mm -hmm. he like grabs bill the pony and like holds like his head or something Mm -hmm. and gives him like the way back or something yeah or like he kind of just tells him like you're you're gonna be safe go back find rivendell or wherever you want to (laughs) go and then he's basically like he he'll be as safe as he were you know were he with us so and also Everything is coming after them. I'm pretty certain Bill the Pony be fine. <laughs> so then they kind He's of got go. Fatty Lumpkin to find. They they go around the long path instead, and they end up at the top of the lake, but on or by the lake, but on the other side. And kind of, there's a small path kind of along the the face of the mountain that they follow for a long time, and they can't figure like it's eerie because nothing is alive, and then. Eventually, mm-hmm. they do come upon two like really tall, really old beech trees. And the water looks very ominous, too. And, in fact, there's a moment they had to step through this really small, little, tiny stream. And Frodo really didn't like the feeling of stepping in that water. Yes. It was almost like a word. There was a, it was, like, greasy. Yeah, something was thrown like out that. there. It, it was, was, I imagined, like... Um, it was, like, stagnant. And like yeah. I mean, I, I was kind of imagining like oil or um, water that has got oily mm-hmm. substance in it, like an old, uh, like when I when I was growing up, I used to go out to this farm and there was a pond there and there must have been like, a, there was like an oil deposit or something underneath it and it was seeping up into the water. Yeah. And what happened was this pond was gross, like just really gross with this like oily residue on the surface of it so that's what i, I that's where my imagination went i to. would imagine that's exactly what it looked like um, um so at this point they kind of we we get a little info on what it is that they're looking for which is the elven gate mm-hmm. so you know specifically they're going to a dwarf mine but this is the elven gate and it says that the trees were planted to mark the end of Sorry, I called them beech trees earlier. They were holly trees. Yeah. Uh, to mark the end of the domain of the elves, and that this elven door was used in the trade between the elves and the dwarves. And then Gandalf says, you know, that was a long time ago, back when elves and dwarves were still friends. And both Legolas. So now, now we get this great exchange between Legolas and Gimli. Yes. Who... Basically said, you know, I, I, it was not the fault of the dwarves that the friendship waned. Yeah, and... and Legolas says, "Well, it's not the fault of the elves either." And Gandalf says, "I've heard it's the fault of both, but I don't have the time to go into this." <laughs> now is not the time to bicker. Children, be friends. And I, yeah, exactly. And I, I need you to help me find this door now. Um, so now they all, uh, Gandalf, Gimli, and Legolas are all kind of searching for the door in their own way. Like Gimli is kind of tapping on it with his axe, and Legolas is kind of right up against it, trying to listen to it, you know, and. Gandalf is kind of like standing there staring at it and occasionally like touches it with with the staff Gandalf or something. Is around this point where they're like uh, we need to get ready to actually go into the mountain or is that later? 
Well, we have to figure out how to open the door first. Oh, okay. And there, like, um, there's a description on it. Yeah. That reads, you know. So it, it says it says like the crafters of the mountain. It also there was an interesting. Do you have it? Like, yeah. Right now? Go ahead so, and read it so, so I can comment on it. Gandalf basically says that you know there are secrets with this, as there are always. You know, some doors have keys. Uh, and need to be opened at a certain time. We are familiar with a, one such door as this. Mm-hmm. Um, other doors have passwords, and you know all all of them. These all have secrets. They're made to be, you know, if you know where to look, you'll find them. So basically, Gandalf is kind of like running his hands over the side of this mountain, and then kind of right where his hands were, we see the moon shines on it. And then we start to see kind of thin slivers of really silvery looking like marks on it. And turns out to be, um, you can see sort of an illustration of a door on it and it's inscribed and they see it's got um, an anvil and a hammer and a crown and stars. So this is, this is the door. And Written on it says, The doors of Durin, Lord of Moria, speak, friend, and enter. I, Narvi, made them. Celebrimbor of Holland drew these signs. So now they, they see this writing on it, and it's, it's in very old writing. And Mary asks, well, what does that mean? And so then Gimli has this very simple response to it. Well, I mean, it says that if you are a friend, you speak the password, and then the doors will open. Okay, what's right? the password? <laughs> exactly. So, what's the password? Well, I don't own a password. <laughs> well, <laughs> of course. Mary, Mary says specifically, what does it mean by speak friend and enter? Yeah. Yeah. So Gimli takes that to mean if you are if you are a friend, you speak the password. I want to know a little something on there a name that popped out to me in that description was Celebrimbor because mm-hmm. we've heard that name before yep it also dates this so yeah it's super old it's super old indeed yeah very very old um and then there's this great kind of moment because again nobody knows how to open this door um we're woefully unprepared it seems and Boromir is kind of scoffing at this <laughs> And like he always is, right? <clears throat> and Gandalf chastises him, and then Pippin, in his typical Pippin way, just like speaks up and asks Gandalf what he's going to do. And uh, Gandalf replies that he's going to use Pippin's head to knock on the doors. <laughs> <laughs> uh, poor little Pippin. <laughs> and then Gandalf starts to try several different things to open the door. Um, which are all seem very silly because, you know, we seem to know that there's a password that needs to be used, um, but we don't know the password. So Gandalf tries, um, he, he speaks in, in pretty much every language that he knows, every language that's ever been spoken in the west part, western part of Middle-earth. And he says, uh, gate of the elves open now for us, doorway of the dwarf folk, listen to the word of my tongue. And he tries multiple variations of this, and nothing happens. Then he just yells at it, open, open, <laughs> and hits it with his staff, and nothing happens. Talk about, I'm just talking about old man doing old man things. <laughs> getting impatient. Right, yeah. and getting impatient. And then, in, indeed, he kind of throws his staff down and then just sits down. <laughs> Which, I, you know, what would you do? Uh, so, at this point, they've kind of noticed ripples 
in the lake. In the water. Mm-hmm. And then Gandalf has this aha moment and says, of course, of all people, I think it was Mary that was on the right track. Mm-hmm. And then he just walks up to the door and says, Melon. And yep. the door opens and he's like, you see, this is my fault. I mistranslated it. I assumed that it meant speak friend and enter, but it meant say friend. It literally meant say the word friend to enter, yep. Yep. which is maybe the most simplistic thing ever. And he says, this is from a much more peaceful time before <laughs> before the world was so um, suspicious. Right. So, of course, someone like like Gandalf, who knows what's up in the world right now, would be thinking of a much more complicated uh, kind of password situation here. Solve this Rubik's Cube. <laughs> exactly. And go to the door. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So now the doors are open. And they prep to go into the darkness because yep. they're like, it's going to be warmer in there than it is out here. And it's going to be warmer on the other side than in here. So you're going to just leave all that winter gear. And also we got to take this build a pony stuff off of him and divide it between us. And that's when Sam freaks out and starts crying and is belligerent. And, mm-hmm. oh, he's going to die out there. He's going to die out there. And he starts like tearing everything off and throwing it down. And Bill's like, dude, what's up? Be calm. Be cool. <laughs> so and then... It- at, at this moment, Gandalf is starting to enter into the mine, and then Frodo feels something pulling at his ankle and pulling him back. It's Bill the Pony. <laughs> it is a single long tentacle came out of the lake. It was pale right. green and luminous and wet. Its fingered end had hold of Frodo's foot and was dragging him into the water. So Sam e- got down and started stabbing it, and it let go of Frodo. But then basically a whole bunch more, it says the dark world, dark water boiled and there's a hideous stench. And then a whole bunch more tentacles kind of erupt out of the water. Like 20. And they all run into the mine. And one of the tentacles is like in the mine after them. And Gandalf is trying to like stab at it and stuff. And then it kind of retreats and slams the door shut. And then you hear some rumbling. And also, like, Gandalf had a moment where he's like, "What? how are we going to even shut this door? Where am I going to use And it shuts. Yeah. So, yeah. So, exactly. so it actually did what we wanted it to do, just maybe not quite as forcefully, because now it's pretty certain that we can't open that door again because, uh, you know, there was the sound of falling rocks. It's blocked. And trees. Yep. And we're separated from Bill the Pony forever now. So bye-bye, Bill the Pony. Aww. Also, we actually left a bunch of provisions on the other side. Great. Mm-hmm. So we're in a real pickle now. And it's sad because Gandalf says he thinks that the two trees were probably kind of knocked over in front of the door as well. and Which know, is sad because they were ancient, ancient trees. Exactly. Um, so, and then there's another kind of Gandalf quote here that I really like. Um, and it's kind of like right before they decide, well, let's, I guess we're here now. We should go ahead and start. <laughs> And Gandalf says there are older and fouler things than orcs in the deep places of the world. That's what, you know, they're all worrying, you know, what what could we possibly run into here? Well, and also it kind of makes reference to that thing that they just encountered was probably one of them. Yeah. That it got like somehow ex- ex- expulsed out of right. the underground somehow right. and ended up there. And has been kind of trapped in that lake now for a while. 
So, for the most part, they kind of stick around there for a while before they start. Well, no, they, 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 they yeah, they have they, something to eat. Yeah, but then they then they start to move to move on, and that's when uh, Gandalf like illuminates the top of his um, staff, and then Frodo kind of and he's walking with Gimli up up the stairs, but he but later on, it's probably not at this moment, but there's a there's a subtle reference that Frodo is hearing. What he thinks is like bare feet, footsteps, foot, behind footsteps them. behind them. Mm-hmm. Well, they're so they're they're kind of continuing on, and Gandalf also. It, we should note that he has drawn his sword. So, and Frodo has also drawn Sting. So neither Glamdring nor Sting are glowing right now, which of course tells us that there aren't any orcs around at the moment. So wait, that's, how would that's how a would comfort. how would they be glowing? <laughs> how would they be glowing? Okay, you caught on my... Okay. Yeah, we caught it. No, no that one was... It was the way you said it. Yeah. Now, if I said glowing, <laughs> you'd probably totally fall for that one. But I... Yeah. I like how we addressed that in The Hobbit several times, Chase, and you still forgot it. No, I'm... I just... <laughs> Selectively disremembered yeah. it. It's brain's well, made of uh, granite. So now, here is a time when I'm going to tell a little bit of a cat story. Because... Aragorn basically is kind of telling them all that he, he has every trust in Gandalf right now. Um, and he says that Gandalf is surer of finding the way home in a blind night than the cats of Queen Baruthiel. So. Um, that sounded like nonsense to me well, when I read it. So You've never heard of, of Queen Baruthiel before. Um this is something that crops up in uh, the Unfinished Tales, I believe. And Baruthiel, the name, means angry queen in Sindarin. Um, and she was a queen of Gondor early in the Third Age. And she was the wife of um, Taranan Falister. And they had no children. And remember, her name means angry queen. They didn't get along very well. Oh, okay. And she was generally just not a very nice person. Um, She was of the race, it was called Black Numenorian, um, who were often at war with the Dunedain of Gondor. And she hated cats. Oh, I see. Okay, okay, um, okay, okay. When when people hate cats, what do cats usually tend to do? Hang around yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, hang around them. Well, that's exactly the same thing that happened with Queen Baruthiel. So cats, you know, naturally just loved her. And they always kind of followed her around. And she ended up actually using them to kind of spy on the people of Gondor. Because she was just not, an, a, not a cool person at all. Was this Minas Tirith or Minas Arnor? Which one was this? They stayed at uh, Osgiliath. Okay, I'm because imagining... she she also hated living by the sea. Just imagining like Osgiliath just like just overrun cat, with like cats, cat, like a flood of cats. Well, there were like nine, I think. So, I think... are you saying that Osgiliath is basically Istanbul? Then? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I could Did you guys that. see that GIF? Yeah. At the G20 summit, where all the cats just kind of like were on the stage. Yeah, <laughs> they oh, do what yeah, they want. Yeah. I tweeted about it. I said that's the most Turkish thing I've ever seen, <laughs> and the. the Huffington Post used that quote, and I'm still getting retweets from totally random people. <laughs> there you go. Uh, well, now you can say that's the most Queen Baruthiel thing I've ever seen. But so anyway, yeah, so Aragorn has more faith in Gandalf than in cats following Queen Baruthiel. So that's pretty, 
that's pretty deep, good. That's it's pretty a, good. It's a deep cut. <laughs> Jeez, Tolkien, you're referencing things you didn't even give us. Deep cut. <laughs> well, it was, you know, all fleshed out later. Um, so now, around this time, also, Frodo kind of notices another effect of his wound that he had sustained on Weathertop. It's talking. And <laughs> it's speaking to him. Or no, it, it, he, he can sense when the Dark Lord is thinking things, and he, he can even speak parcel tongue sometimes. You s- no. <laughs> no. Back- I was with you for about <laughs> half a second. I was like, wow, that's weird. No, bad Katie. So actually what, what he notices is that he can see a little more clearly in the dark than he previously could. Yeah. Um, and he also, at this time... He notices that he hears feet not of their own like he he can he can pick out individually the sound of everyone else's feet and then there's another sort of what seems like bare footsteps that's following behind them and it's not an echo exactly because when they stop it takes a while for those footsteps to stop yeah um so they keep on going they keep on going and you know the the path is winding around and they go for a while and that's when they hit a point where Gandalf doesn't know where to go they come yeah. to like a three-way stop like a three-way and they don't he didn't he just doesn't know yeah well he, yeah he's he says like I have no memory of this at all you know he's been through the mines before but he doesn't remember being here ever um so now we don't but know I don't which know way I find that go. a little confusing because he had never taken this entrance before well yeah he, yeah, he hasn't taken this entrance before. He went he went in through a different entrance. It was just something that he snapped at someone earlier. How many entrances does Moria have? They just go to the closest one? I don't know. But this is the one that was nearest and easiest for them to access. Well, anyway, they just hang out there for a while. Well, conveniently, there's like a little guard chamber off to the side. Mm-hmm. Um, so they go in there, and <laughs> there's a big well in the middle, and... They, like that has no lid anymore because it was broken. And Pippin is so fascinated by this, and I totally get this. Right? I too am fascinated by deep holes like this. So I would do this. I would probably do the same thing as Pippin. I can't fault him for this. It was stupid. Yep. I agree. But he takes like a rock and he just kind of goes whatever, throws it in there, drops it down. Yep. Then it makes kind of a, it makes a sound around the way, and then they hear like um. They hear this kind of yeah, tap tapping. Yeah, tap tapping that Gimli's like it's to it's totes a hammer. Um <laughs> and and Gandalf says some of the funniest stuff in this part where he basically says, like, throw yourself in. Yeah. And we'll be we'll be lost. It's like he says something like along the lines of like we'll be we'll, we'll be rid of your nuisance or your something nuisance, like that. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's a great I love it when Gandalf like Gandalf has very short well, um what's the word? patience for like pippin and mary yeah he, he, he's got to keep them in line right and he he scolds them but it's always kind of lovingly though in his own gandalf way i mean this is this was pretty sharp because again pippin did something really dumb okay but you read that i, I... <laughs> but I, I i mean i always i always when whenever gandalf scolds the hobbits i always feel like it's done lovingly so yeah i feel like that for frodo and Sam. I just don't know about Mary and Pippin. <laughs> I mean, I feel like it would be if I did something dumb and, like, my uncle scolded me for it or something, okay. you know? Yeah. 
you know? Yeah. Like, you, you know better than to do that. But anyway, um, Pippin, as punishment for what he's done, gets to take the first watch. Oh, and it's great. And also, <laughs> he just, I just imagine him just like, he, what's that Muppet? The rabbit Muppet? The, the little rabbit that's always hanging around like Gonzo and stuff. All right, I'm making a deep cut. But <laughs> anyway, but I'm just imagining him just sitting there while everyone else is asleep behind him, just trembling and being like, uh. Oh, absolutely. Fortunate enough, Gandalf can't sleep. And he's like, well, you might, I might as well take the watch if I can't sleep and I can't stop thinking. So. And then Gandalf also uh, notices what's kind of wrong with him. He's like, I haven't had a smoke in several days. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's clearly that's what's uh, uh, causing issues here. So then, you know, as Pippin kind of drifts off to sleep, he sees Gandalf having, ha- having a smoke on his on, oh, on his pipe. Tough. Yeah, <laughs> and then several hours later, he's let them all have a good rest. Gandalf wakes them and says, "I've decided we're going to go to the right." Um, it's not because I remembered it. No, it's because this one smells bad. Yeah. And this and this one, I don't like the feel of it. I don't like the feel of it. So this one, yeah. Okay, Chase, I think you're referring to Bean Bunny. Yes, Bean Bunny. He's like my favorite Muppet too. Bean Bunny. Yeah, okay. Bean Bunny. That's that's the Muppet. So if you can imagine that Muppet, maybe so that pitiful. Was, maybe that was Pippin taking the downtrodden. First watch. Yeah. Aww. Um. So up they go. They continue on this path, and this this you know this is the the one that goes upwards. And Frodo still thinks that he hears footsteps behind them. Um, and finally, they come to a wide hall. And Gandalf kind of sheds more light on the subject. Kind of illuminates the hall. And we see this, like, completely... Oh, you mean it's... that literally? I thought you were like... Yeah, I... I thought you meant, like, Gandalf explains the hall. <laughs> no, I mean Gandalf literally sheds light on the hall. Uh, and now it's illuminated you know, a little bit more, and we kind of see the awe-inspiring, uh, like... Just pillar after huge, pillar. Huge, absolutely expansiveness of more. And also notes that there are windows in here, too, and it must be night, which yeah. this was one of those moments... I got a chill reading this part because it takes them eight hours mm-hmm. to get here, not accounting for them stopping. Eight hours... And they're in this massive hall. Well, it's like, just that they must have traveled something like 15 miles yeah. underground as the crow flies. It was more like 20 because of the, you know, the winds and turns. But yeah, yeah. I mean, they've been traveling for a long time. Right. It's just, it's, this is like been, okay. This is the, like the most grand thing since seeing the treasure area in the hobbit i feel like since the lonely mountain Mm -hmm. something about this really was like like they're in this massive underground cavern that was built by dwarves and there's like windows yeah and there's Mm -hmm. windows in here and they can shine light into it's it's yeah well and it's it's insane absolutely and it's supposed to be kind of mind-blowing and it's supposed to be awe-inspiring but also kind of terrible at the same time um like Again, it's always got this sort of ominous feel. Who was it who complained about the darkness? I think it was uh, one, one of the hobbits complained about the darkness. It was, and, I think it was Mary. And then Gimli said, yes, but in, in its heyday, it was always light. Um, you know, whether by the sun shining through the windows or by, you know, torches and merrymaking. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it used to be full of light. And this was the 
this used to be a really great city and it was called the Dwera Delft and the dwarves called it Casa Doom. It's now called Moria, um, which comes from dark. It means dark something, shadow something. Um, yeah. So really then forgot. at this point, people are like, so wait, why is this place like haunted and evil? <laughs> and Gandalf starts to go into the history that uh, the dwarves dug a little too deep and Sam was like oh for jewels and stuff and Gandalf was like well no they had jewels and gold in the mountain but they didn't really care about them because so much trade came through this place that you know they just got that anyway what they were after was Moria silver or mm-hmm. Mithril, Mithril which can only be found here uh, which is and then they explain you know it's like it's harder than steel it's like silver but it never tarnishes um, and it's and- also light it's also lighter than other metals also bilbo had like a coat made of it yeah that he got as a gift and given was like, that was a kingly gift and he's like yeah i don't know what's happened to it it must be just collecting dust somewhere and i never thought to tell him that it'd be if he ever sold it, it'd be worth more than the shire worth more than the, the entire shire that was a cute bit because like frodo's sitting there like he, <laughs> he like touches at it and realizes it's like oh yeah it's like realizes yeah this is a kingly gift indeed and he does not realize that he's been walking around with the worth of the shire on his on his person yeah be- and Gandalf says that the elves particularly loved using Mithril and that the special kind of star letters that they saw outside were made uh, using Mithril, uh, but that basically all of the extant Mithril in the world was gathered up and uh, seized by Sauron, and he particularly loves hoarding it. Yeah. Um, how much of a swimming pool could that fill? How much? Uh, how much of a swimming pool? Yeah, I'm thinking. I'm thinking to myself, really. <laughs> I have no idea how much all it's that like was. Like supposedly but... all the gold that we can that we have found in the world could fit in like a swimming pool. Yeah. But you know, no one gives any fully like what the dimensions of the pool are. So, I mean, <laughs> Olympic sized. Um, I think and... it'd be less than that. <laughs> so also at this mention of the Shire, Frodo has another kind of sort of wistful longing to be back in the Shire before he knew anything about the ring. But alas, that's not the case. And Ooh, now part. they kind of, yeah, so so everyone kind of drifts off. They're going to sleep here for the night. And Frodo, right before he drifts off to sleep, Frodo sees way off in the distance what he kind of describes as two almost lamp-like dots in uh-huh, the distance. Like that, eyes. Or eyes, yeah, looking at him. And he's uneasy, of course. And when Legolas relieves him to take the next watch, when Frodo drifts off to sleep, he drifts off to sleep still dreaming of those eyes in the distance watching him. Um, so in, in the morning, they see light coming in. And so now, indeed, Gandalf knows that they are near the eastern side of Moria. He thinks they'll be out uh, on the other side by the end of the day. Which is awesome. Right. Good amount of time. Right. But they come across one last thing. Yeah. Which is first described like a table. Mm-hmm. Like it's just like a little area and it's like there's like a table in it. But then they realize there's this writing. Yeah. But it's in dwarven writing. And right. it says, here lies Balin. Yeah. Um, I might have skipped ahead. But. Well, they yeah, so they, they come into this corridor, and yeah, they see this, and Frodo actually from afar looks at it and, and remarks, it, that looks like a tomb. 
And so, yeah, they approach it. And sure enough, it reads in runes on it. Gandalf reads the runes. And there's also light that's Coming dimly right, yeah. shining on it that has been, ma- you know, made to clearly shine on this tomb. And it says, Balin, son of Fundin, lord of Moria. And chapter ends. Chapter ends, yeah. And so, of course, this is, you know, why did Gimli especially come to Elrond is because he hadn't heard from Balin for years and the dwarves were worried and all. So, Oof. now we have that answer. Yeah. This is the second time in this book where I just wanted to keep reading it. Yeah. Like, I almost did well, just keep reading it. The next... I'm glad you didn't, though, because the next chapter is pretty... Yeah. There's the... Yeah. We're going to have fun with the next chapter. Um, so, yeah. Actually, that, that ending kind of came out of nowhere for me, because I was actually expecting it to keep going, and then it went... So it, I read, Here Lies Balin, boom, end. I was like, whoa! Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, what was everyone's favorite parts of the reading for today? I already said mine. It's where they first stepped into that big area. That's my favorite part. Yeah. I felt the real weight and agelessness of mm-hmm. this world right then. And there was even, uh, who, who made a comment about, I think Mary made a comment that it must have taken hundreds and hundreds of dwarves, hundreds and hundreds of years to carve all this, you know, out of, to make all this out of stone. So it truly, like, you're given... Uh, an idea of the expansiveness and also of like the craftsmanship that's evident that went into yeah creating that space for me it's the illustration of the door mm-hmm. which is i guess not very suitable for a podcast but you know peri- periodically <laughs> <Can> you <see> <laughs> it? periodically through reading these books you know there's an illustration that jr tolkien himself made and those are always included Mm-hmm. And the one of the doors is particularly pretty, I think. Yeah, it really is. I like the the two trees that are on it too, and that uh, Legolas had pointed them out too when he saw them. I like the way that looked. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite part of the reading for today is that whole little battle that they have against the wolves. Um, I really enjoyed uh, just how that whole bit was described with, uh, you know, you, again, like we said, we kind of see everybody's fighting styles and the language is just absolutely perfect for um, creating that image in your mind of what it, what that whole battle kind of looked like. Well, and also there was a little bit where we passed over where they disappeared during mm-hmm. the night, like mm-hmm. almost like they just dissipated. Which, and then they just... Yeah came came back in full force to attack mm. them well no like the bodies vanished the bot the bodies vanished oh yeah sorry you're, yeah. you're talking about okay yeah and, and, legolas's, way after. and legolas's arrows were just left there yeah except for there was one that was burned <laughs> except for like the the actual blade of the mm-hmm. arrowhead yeah all right well any other favorites from the week I'm going to make a request <laughs> that we pause so because I just remembered what my favorite thing of the week was and I saw it today and I want to make sure everyone here sees it as well. It's a trailer for a movie. A trailer yeah. for a movie. Because I didn't really do a whole lot. I was too busy this week, but I feel like we should pause so I can show you this trailer and everybody at home should also go and watch this trailer as well. Okay. It's the trailer for The Huntsman, The Winter War. Wait, is this the one 
like the Huntsman and Snow White thing? Yes. <gasps> it's a sequel, but it's just the Huntsman, but also three other people. Hemsworth was the only one in that movie besides Charlie's Charlie Throne who did not phone that in. So let's pause for a second. And I'm going to hit play on this over here so Katie can see it. And I guess, John, okay. you should watch it, too. I'm watching it, yeah. Yep. I'm here for this movie. <laughs> so, yeah, I felt like mentioning that because last week I mentioned uh, how much I liked the Hercules movie. And I feel like this is in a similar vein. Yep. That looks dumb, but it looks but like so, my kind of so dumb. so much fun. The first, the first one was dumb, but really fun, too. I didn't see the first one. So, what, are they trying to establish, like, a, a shared universe of fairy tales based around the Huntsman? My assumption is, yeah. if you've not seen the first one, I think you're probably. I think they want people who have not seen the first one. <laughs> yeah. I really do think that they're like, no, just we're burning it to the ground. <laughs> just we're, forget we're, about we're starting that. Over. It didn't happen. Uh, Jessica Chastain and Emily Blunt and Charlie Theron and Chris Hemsworth in this movie, whatever, go. Which mm-hmm. already somehow that just sounds amazing. Yeah. I mean, I'll see anything with Emily Blunt in it. Yeah. Yeah. Like it just looks ridiculous. Yep. So that's my favorite thing from the week is that trailer because that looked ridiculous. That's a good favorite thing. Yeah, I, that, that does look ridiculous, but I, I totally want to see it. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know. It, it was really hard to find a, perf- a favorite thing from this week because this week was so horrible in a lot of ways, <laughs> I think. Um, but It sounds like I'm the only one of us three that didn't have a really bad week. Well, I'm just saying in general, like, that this was a bad week for the entirety of humanity. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then on top, and then also, like, having a bad week. Yeah. For some, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but, so, a couple of days ago, we watched Lucy, which I had never watched before, and people kept telling me, so I've been hearing both, both extremes this movie sucked and this movie was awesome me telling you constantly this movie's the best i I love this movie it's great (laughs) and this and so we we watched it finally and yeah lucy is totally the kind of movie that i absolutely adore it was it was so great it was so weird it became incredibly odd and cerebral i loved it that was my favorite part of the i also love how it's like the (laughs) dumbest movie to champion to be as smart as you possibly can be yes like it's the dumbest movie to champion intelligence exactly Exactly. But it was so great. I loved it. You know, I haven't seen this movie, but um, the way you said that, Chase, reminds me of Flight of the Navigator. It's they, like, more... they tap into the kid's brain and they just like use his brain as like a hard drive, basically. <laughs> like a lot of people's like their hold up for that movie is the fact they're doing like the percentage of the human brain but they but the director and the writer themselves are like no we know that's stupid <laughs> we just really couldn't figure out a better way of no conveying other... this yeah. so yeah all right mine i don't know that i have anything specific uh so i'm just gonna go with that gif of the cats walking across the g20 stage in Antalya. <laughs> because you know what i lived in turkey and there were cats everywhere i've never seen so many cats in my life and they just don't they care. don't care cats are gonna cat yeah and since we get the first ever mention of cats on middle earth and this week's readings then it's super appropriate it totally is <laughs> also this might be slightly random but i actually started playing um the thing that started this podcast was me playing Shadows of Mordor. Oh, yeah. And asking you all a bunch of questions. I started playing it again this past week. And coming back to it now and doing a lot more stuff, they seeded that game with a lot more details. Yeah. And it's weirded me out now. <laughs> now you're like, oh, hey, 
that's exactly what I'm doing now. I yes. get that reference. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening. I'm John. I'm Katie. And I'm Chase. And we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to Talking Tolkien. You can find us online at TalkingTolkien.com and you can send us an email to the professor at TalkingTolkien.com. We are also Talking Tolkien on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, and Stitcher. If you're an iTunes subscriber and you like what you hear, please be sure to give us a rating and review. We also have a Patreon account where you can donate as little as $1 per month to help us grow our podcast and help with expenses such as microphones and server space. Every little bit is appreciated.